0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode 162 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Don't forget, if you want to catch the show live, search for MMA on the Rocks on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, turn your notifications on, and you'll always know when we're live. You can come join in the live chat. Hopefully, we'll have a bunch of you in here today, because I am going solo. Jeff the Animal Wilson is away on a, a PTA retreat or a, a soup convention, uh, something along those lines. Uh, I, I wasn't listening too closely when he told me to, to tell you the truth, but uh, we'll check back in with him next week. The plan this week is two episodes for you folks. Uh, two episodes last week, two episodes this week. So right now I'm going to recap UFC on ESPN six, six, from TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, headlined by Dominic Reyes and Chris Weidman. And tomorrow I plan to come back with another episode to recap BKFC 8, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, which is taking place tonight, in Tampa, Florida, Florida State Fairgrounds. I will be there as a credentialed media. So I will not be consuming alcohol. Um, Anywhere where I can easily be seen and identified, but other than that, let's talk some MMA right now. So Chris Weidman last night takes on Dominic Reyes, the undefeated Dominic Reyes, uh, somewhat controversial win in his last fight against Vulcan Ozdemir. It was a it was a really close decision win. This fight was not close. It did not make it out of the first round. Uh, It it didn't even make it two minutes. So Chris Weidman moves up to 205 pounds um you know i think a lot of people saw this move coming for a long time from weidman it it was always a big weight cut for him uh he was really sucking himself out to make 185 and you know that gets harder and harder as you go as you get older obviously um but it is the biggest jump in weight if you think about it of, of all the weight classes 185 to two to 205, uh, 20 pounds. It's the biggest gap, uh, of any weight class in the sport, male or female as of right now, since the 125 pound division was added. So the plan was, was pretty clear from Wideman to push Reyes up against the cage, make them uncomfortable, wrestle them, get them down to the ground and, and wear them out. You know, not a bad game plan until you run into a straight left hand from Dominic Reyes who hits like a Mack truck. You know, he's a young, strong, explosive kid. Uh, he was he had plans to go into the NFL and changed course, moved to MMA, and he's been having a lot of success. Uh, now he's got to win over a former champion in Chris Weidman. Uh, and, you know, uh, that's that's always a feather in your cap, no matter what has happened to Chris Weidman's career Thus far, you know, I think a win over Weidman here still says a lot for Dominic Reyes. You know, some people may argue, but I think it's still impressive. You know, Weidman is still dangerous. You know, he's a big guy and moving up to 205 isn't too much of a stretch. He doesn't give up too much size at that weight class. And, you know, he's still a world champion. So an impressive win for Dominic Reyes. I mean, he put Weidman down. Uh, man, what do you do? If you're, if you're someone who's close to Chris Weidman, I, ho- I hope you're having a tough conversation with him because five of his six, uh, five, five of his last six fights ha- have ended in, in a TKO or a KO. Now, granted he was winning some of those fights. Uh, he, he looked good in many of them, you know, the Zachary fight, he was winning on the feed. He was, you know, he's winning e- everywhere. The Yoel Romero fight, same thing. He was winning everywhere. Uh, until he got caught in the third round at a certain point, it's not getting caught anymore. You know, at a certain point, it becomes, you you know, maybe your brain is turning off quicker to try and tell you that you shouldn't be doing this. Um, and, and maybe the answer is taking uh, a long time off. I I don't know if that's necessarily in the cards for Weidman. Uh, I think he's around 36 years old. So I don't know. I, I, I could never tell somebody who does this, that they need to retire that that wouldn't be something that would come out of my mouth as, you know, someone who is part of the media here as an analyst or anything like that. Um, but I also don't want to see a guy, you know, who I respect a lot as a fighter. I respect all of his accomplishments. I don't want to see a guy, you know, continue to get in there when, you know, maybe he can't compete at this level anymore. So, I don't know. I hope he, he figures something out. You know, he already said it, they interviewed him immediately after the fight. He already said he wants to come back stronger. Uh, I, I just hope there are people out there who, who are willing to have that tough conversation with him. Cause you know, he's got a storied career. Uh, he ended the reign of Anderson Silva and he, nobody can ever take that away from him. Defended that middleweight title three times. Nobody could take that away from him either. Uh, in any case, Dominic Reyes with the call out of John Jones, it could happen, you know. Um a- Anthony Smith would definitely be up there. I think Reyes versus Smith is a fight that would make sense, but Anthony Smith had said that he's gonna be sidelined until uh you know February or March, maybe due to his broken hand um from the Gustafson fight. Uh I would love to see Reyes and Smith. Uh, unfortunately, we talked about this for a while. John Jones is kind of twiddling his thumbs right now. There's not anything going on for him. So, you know, maybe put Reyes in there. I would like to see one more personally. I'd like to see him get in there with a really tough grappler who, you know, is elusive on the feet. Um, maybe, a, a Blahovic or something like that. I, I think he really needs like a stern test. You know, we saw, we saw him tested against Ozdemir and he came away with a win, but you know, we saw when he was in there with top competition, like, like Ozdemir took him down. Ozdemir is not a wrestler. And granted, I knew it was unexpected, but I, I'd like to see one more before, before we let him in there with John Jones. Um, and, and if that's the fight to make, then that's the fight to make and, and it would just be because there's no other fight to make right now. All right, let's move on. The co-main event. I was not excited for this one, guys. I don't know about you. Um, I was so hyped up for this fight three weeks ago when it was going to happen in Mexico City. Uh, Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens I'm talking about, of course. I was so excited for this fight. And, you know, we had the result that we got. You know, no contest after 15 seconds. Scraped eye. Turns out Jeremy Stevens had some kind of eye infection that he was battling with, so that made the the scrape even worse. Uh, I guess the opened up the infection or something or whatever the case. So we, we redo it as a co-main event, uh, three weeks later, I just didn't feel the same energy behind it, but man, did these guys fucking deliver the fight? We thought we were going to get the first time or what this fight was insane. You know, we saw everything we'd expect from Yair Rodriguez, crazy kicks, forward pressure, um, until he was met with the counters of Jeremy Stevens and the forward pressure of Jeremy Stevens, then he was spending a lot of time backing up. We saw the heart and determination of Jeremy Stevens. And I think if this were a five round fight, like it was supposed to be in the first place, then we might see a different result because it really looked like Jeremy was starting to break ear in there. Uh, he took that third round for sure. But, um, I think, yeah, clearly won the first two. So that's why he got the unanimous decision there. 29, 28, pretty easy to score, but you never know, uh, in MMA, you, you never know. Uh, there, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a judge out there who gave the first two to Jeremy and gave the third round to Yair, uh, that, that wouldn't shock me in the least with, with what we've been seeing lately, but they got it right. And man, when it was done, I don't say this very often. I wish we could have seen this for five rounds. Uh, it makes you wonder how different it would have been as a 5 round fight how different it would have been at altitude in Mexico City you know maybe Jeremy Stevens as tough as he is wouldn't be able to to put the pedal to the metal in that third round like he did um he, you know he had Yair on in trouble on the feet and he chose to take him down beat him up on the ground not a bad move but he needed a finish in that third round and i think he probably had a better chance of finishing him on the feet but uh you know i'm not jeremy stevens i don't know what he's feeling or what he's thinking in there you know if he if he thinks his best shot is on the ground then then that's what he's got to go with uh, you know you got to make some game time decisions in there but rodriguez looked good uh his grappling needs some help you know he went for a a body lock takedown on jeremy stevens and basically just didn't swivel his hips at all in either direction which Uh, you you can't take a guy off balance without moving your hips. Uh, And that's, that's very, very basic wrestling. Uh, And then we saw his grappling from the bottom that I heard the commentator say that, that Yair is dangerous off his back. Um, I don't know why Uh, I didn't see, I didn't see any threat there. You know, he threw up some, some triangle attempts and stuff like that, but it, Jeremy wasn't even threatened. He was just sitting right inside them. So, the grappling definitely needs some work before he gets up there with the upper echelon. You know, if he gets in there with someone who can grapple like Zabit, uh, like Max Holloway, like people at the top of this division, Volkanovsky, uh, definitely Volkanovsky would, would give him a lot of trouble. You know, if he can't control the distance and he gets into a clinch with Volkanovsky, uh, he's going to be going for a ride and he's going to be spending three rounds on his back. Um, But, yeah, looked good. Uh, You know, still kind of a piece of shit based on his his actions after the last fight ending and and almost inciting a riot. Uh, You still can't excuse that behavior, but he put on a fight of the night and he he deserved uh, that bonus check for the fight of the night as well. And so did Stevens. So uh, I'm glad we got to see this. I wouldn't be mad if we run this one back as a main event, give him another chance to do the, the main event. It was a close fight. You know, even though it was two rounds to one, clearly, uh, I feel like if it had gone five, uh, who knows, or, or maybe it would have ended differently. You know, maybe, maybe I would have gotten a finish if there was a fourth round, who knows, but, but there's only one way to find out, run it back as a five round fight. Okay. I usually don't mention Greg Hardy, but man, this was just stupid. Uh, here's a guy who, I don't know what, I, I don't know what, kind of mental disorder he has but laws and rules just don't seem to apply to him in his mind so he he's winning the fight in a in a you know kind of a snoozer he's in there with a guy who was brought in to be a highlight reel let's just call it what it is in, in sausly who came off of Dana White's contender series brought in there to be a highlight reel he's winning the fight outpointing him uh, and he's he totally gassed at the end of the second round and asked for his inhaler in between rounds and his coach, Dean Thomas, who definitely should know better, gave him his inhaler. Uh, they were allowed to finish the fight for some reason. And then after the fact it was overturned and ruled a no contest because you're not supposed to take an inhaler, something that opens up your breathing passages during a cage fight. This is clearly an infraction and it clearly gives you an advantage. I, I don't know why the fight wasn't stopped the, the second he took a puff of that thing. Um, and he said it was USADA approved. Um uh, I don't, I don't know if he was just imagining it or, you know, in his brain, is he just never in the wrong? I don't know. I don't really care to analyze the guy. Uh, but it's a no contest. And, you know, not the first time we've seen this kind of behavior inside the cage. You know, he had the disqualification needing a grounded opponent the last time he got tired. Uh, so it seems like when he gets tired, he cheats. Um, and, and I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get in, uh, you know, too far into it. I don't I don't really have the desire to argue with anybody about it. I'll just leave it at that. I normally wouldn't even bring up the guy's name. Someone whose name I will bring up every time they get in there is Joe fucking Lozon. Joe Lozon looked like a man on fire in Boston last night. After this win, he said, this is my house. This is my cage. And, man, was he right. The most dominant performance on the card last night. He looked probably in the best shape we've ever seen him. He looked super lean, weighed in at 153, I think. And he looked really muscular. He looked shredded most shredded we've ever seen Joe Lozon. He's never been one of those guys that looks like, like, Oh, I wouldn't want to fuck with that guy until last night. He looked like that guy, uh, in there with Jonathan Pierce, who also came off of Dana White's contender series, you know, Pierce not got, he has knockout power and, uh, he, you know, it, it's a risky fight for Lozon because it, his last couple of fights, it, you know, it, didn't really go his way. And this kid's coming off of a five-fight win streak, including the the TKO on the Contender Series, Season 3, Episode 3. Lozon looked good on the feet. He was moving well. And, um, you know, really put it on this kid. He, you know, it's a dangerous fight for him. A lot of pressure fighting in his hometown. 18 months away from the cage. Getting in there with this young kid and he really put it on him. He took him down with a nice over under body lock takedown, just walked him down right into mount. And if you're underneath Joe Lozon in mount, it's pretty much a done deal. So the kid flopped around, gave up his back, and Lozon hit him with a reverse <laughs> reverse half nelson. So I'll explain for those of you who may not be familiar with the term if you're not um if if you're not a a follower of amateur wrestling. So a half Nelson is a move that that wrestlers use to flip a guy from his stomach to his back because you always want your opponent on their back so that you can get the pin in wrestling. And the way you do that is you weave your same side arm so your right arm goes under their right arm, and then it kind of cups the back of their head. That's a half Nelson, and you use that to kind of pry them onto their back so he used the opposite side arm so his left arm weaving under pierce's right arm and pinned his arm up behind his head and used that to just hold him down almost like a twister submission which is a a spine twister and you usually do that from your back but he was on top of pierce so this is really hard you guys really have to watch this it's hard for me to describe uh, you know, without actually showing you, you have to go back and watch the fight. If you missed it, it was only a minute and a half long. So, uh, I'm sure if you're taking the time out of your day to listen to the show, you could take another minute and a half to go back and watch this fight. And once he had him pinned in that position, it's a really unusual position that reversed half uh, Nelson. It's not a place that you commonly find yourself. Uh, and once he had his arm trapped over his head, he was just dropping punches and there was no way for Pierce to defend himself. Ref had to step in. Great job by Herb Dean there because Pierce would have gotten his face broken in that situation. You're not getting out of that. And even if you do, you're not getting out from underneath Joe Lozon, who has some of the vicious, most vicious ground and pound in MMA history. Dana White said that Lozon made a deal with him that win, loser, draw, this would be his last fight and he would retire in Boston. He did not announce a retirement. He said he didn't know what he wanted to do. Dana seems to think he should go out on a high note. Uh, but you know, Lozon changed up a lot of things in this last camp. He's working with a new striking coach and it showed he's working with a new strength, strength and conditioning coach. And it showed, uh, so I mean, Hey, if he wants to hang it up, I'll be amongst the first to congratulate him on an awesome career. One of my all-time favorite fighters to watch. Uh, and if he gets back in there, I'll be amongst the first to tune in and watch him fight again. Cause Joe Lozon is, is fucking awesome. Like I said, one of my favorites of all time. Macy Barber getting it done in there against Jillian Robertson. Uh, TKO in the first round. I mean, she just she just lit Jillian Robertson up. Obviously, Jillian wanted to get this fight to the ground, but she couldn't close the distance. You know, Macy was was tagging her every time she tried to get in close uh, in the clinch up against the cage. Um, this is a standing TKO. Gary Foreman got in there and broke it up. Uh, no protest from Jillian Robertson. Uh, you know, is a fair stoppage, I think. And, uh, Macy Barber, you know, continuing on her journey to be the youngest champion in UFC history calls out Paige Van Zandt. I don't know if that's a direct, uh, path to the title or not, but it's definitely going to be her highest profile fight. If she gets it, uh, Darren Stewart getting a win over Duran win Duran win. Really high level wrestler, um five foot six, <laughs> fighting at middleweight. And if that's not funny enough, uh he missed weight by like three pounds. Um I, I would love to see this guy's diet. If he's five six and fighting at middleweight, that's ballsy as fuck r- right off the bat. Uh, you know, that's that's like Daniel Cormier level ballsy, who's like five ten fights at heavyweight. Uh, and Mrs. Wait, uh, you know, he took down Stewart at will, but, um, the judges didn't want to see any grappling last night, apparently. Uh, and and Darren Stewart, uh, you know, still looking like the fresher fighter in that third round. Uh, I guess he's fixed his cardio issues, comes away with a split decision victory over Daron Wynn, who, um, you know, hit a lot of takedowns, but he also missed weight. So maybe that's something judges are starting to take into consideration. Uh, Speaking of missing weight, Manny Bermudez, former bantamweight who couldn't make weight, now becomes a featherweight who can't make weight. Uh, Missed weight by a couple of pounds. Seems like he didn't even try. Uh, He still had time to go back and cut more weight, and he chose not to. Uh, So he cheated, and then he got submitted. Uh, Simple as that. Uh, This is a guy who bills himself as a submission ace, and uh, he got armbarred by... Uh, Charles Rosa. So credit for Rosa for for taking this fight uh, against a guy who just I, I guess refuses to meet uh, half of his contract and come in at the agreed upon weight, and and then uh, you know submitting him. You know Bermuda's got the fight to the ground where he wanted it to be, and Rosa with a nasty armbar from the bottom. Verbal tap from Manny Bermudez. So a great job to uh, Boston Strong, Charles Rosa. There, Molly McCann looked good against Diana Velvida. Uh I had this one 2 to 1 for McCann. I thought she looked good. Uh her grounded pound looks really aggressive and uh it was it was a great performance. Um let's see. We had some other good ones here. Brandon Allen with a nice rear naked choke win over Kevin Holland on the early prelims there if you guys missed that one. And then we had TKO from Randy Costa over Boston Salmon, who I believe is not from Boston, just his name. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Great card overall. I thought it was really entertaining, especially uh, the Rodriguez and Stevens fight. You know, we really got what we were hoping for a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just wish it was five rounds. I think. Um, to really find out who would have got the better of it, we, we needed to see a little bit more. and I don't say that very often. I'm not I'm not even an advocate for five round fights personally. I think they're largely unnecessary and a lot of times after five round fights we see guys get injured, you know more times than not. So three rounds is usually enough, but um, I felt like at, at the end of this one, I was like, I feel like I could see a little bit more. but uh, you know Rodriguez got the win, so credit to him let's talk a little bit more MMA here UFC fight night 162 coming up next week from Singapore and it's going to be headlined by Ben Askren coming off of that uh flying knee loss to Jorge Masvidal uh Askren comfortable fighting over in Asia because he fought in one FC for a long time so Uh, You know, a trip to Singapore is going to be like another day at the office for him. And Damian Maya has fought everywhere. So that's not going to be a factor for either of these guys. Usually that's something I would consider when doing an analysis of a a fight, especially a a main event fight, like, you know, which one of these guys is used to traveling a little bit more. Um, Because if you're not used to it, it's something that can affect you. You know, jet lag and especially cutting weight when you're flying, it gets a little bit tricky, stuff like that. I think this is an interesting main event, uh, two guys who, you know, really don't want to strike, uh, out of the two of them, Damian Maya has developed his striking a lot more than Ben Askren. You know, Ben Askren's plan is always to take you down and beat you up. And and there are very few people he can't take down. I don't think he'll have a problem taking Damian Maya down, but Damian Maya, you know, one of the most notorious grapplers in, in the history of MMA. You know, one of the most effective and efficient grapplers in the history of MMA. Like, do you really want to take that guy down? And he also has more evolved striking than Ben Askren. So if they decide to keep this one on the feet, you know, how's that going to go? I remember when Damian Maya first came to the UFC and they did like those behind the scenes videos and he was kicking a heavy bag and the heavy bag wasn't even moving. And I was like, oh no, they're going to let this guy go in and fight in a cage. Like where people are gonna be throwing strikes at him. I know he's greeted jujitsu. Um, but then it turned out it didn't matter. You know, he would just get in there and submit it to everybody. And that's when he was a middleweight. Uh so it it's an interesting fight. I, I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. There's some fun fights on this card. Uh Michael Johnson and Stevie Ray, that's a really fun one. Uh Sergei Pavlovich and uh, Big Maurice Green, that's a fun heavyweight matchup. Uh, Ashley Yoder and random Marcos nice women's scrap right there yeah we got a lot of fun fights on here um let's see what else Frank Camacho and Benil Darius very nice feel like Darius has been very active lately and um let's see Alexandria or Alexandra Albu sorry Uh, I don't even want to butcher this poor girl's name. Konklak Sufasara. I took my best shot at it. In any case, Albu, um, you know, one of the more notable fighters on Instagram. Fun fight card next weekend, Singapore. Uh, You might want to check the time on this one. October 26th, which is Saturday. It might be in the morning. Might not. I don't know. Don't come here for information. Just come here for reactions and and alcohol and stuff. Tomorrow night, I'm going to give you guys my reaction to uh, BKFC eight. Antonio Bigfoot Silva and Gabriel Gonzaga, two former UFC heavyweights, are going to get in there and do it without gloves on. Um, Silva is is huge. Uh he's he's like 284 right now. He weighed in at yesterday. And Gonzaga, um, you know, he still looks like he's in pretty good shape. He just recently had a grappling match against Fabiano Scherner, really high level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he won. That was on uh one of those flow grappling events. I, I watched it, but they they all kind of they all kind of blend together now. But Tomorrow night, they're going to do it bare knuckle. And it seems like uh, Fabricio Verdum might have something to do with BKFC. I'm going to find that out tonight. Uh, Vanderle Silva has joined BKFC. Uh, he's looking to fight Vitor Belfort. Um, who wouldn't want to see that rematch without gloves on? Uh, you know, wh- what's left of those two guys uh, <laughs> getting in there? Th- those guys are fucking savages, no matter how old they are. Uh, co main event here. We got uh, Jim Aylers. And Julian Lane, let me bang, bro. Of course, a lot of you remember him. Two-time Ultimate Fighter alumni. Uh, Reggie Pena and Lorenzo Hunt, two Florida boys going at it. Uh, Those are big boys, too. Uh, My teammate, Dave Mundell, the redneck, who I believe he had the fastest knockout on BKFC 6. It was just under two minutes. He's fighting Ronnie Forney tonight. Uh, Sheena Bradenberg is fighting another one of my teammates, former Invicta fighter Delaney Owen. So that should be a fun one. A lot of hometown fighters on here. Uh, Let's see. And another one of my teammates, Gustavo Trujillo, is getting in there against Rob Moreau. Gustavo is a beast. Uh, This guy was on the Cuban national wrestling team. He was an Olympic alternate. And he's been boxing uh, since he was walking, I think. Uh, this guy's going to put on a show. You can get, if you guys are listening to this before this event takes place, uh, for some reason, if you had nothing else to do on a Saturday afternoon, you can catch BKFC on pay-per-view on the Fight app, F-I-T-E. I think it's only like 30 bucks. Live from the Florida State Fairgrounds, Tampa, Florida. It's going to be a fun night uh you know I'm going there first time ever being a uh, credentialed media at a bare knuckle boxing match so um I guess I'm gonna have to be a little bit more professional than usual or not you know I, I feel like I feel like they'll be understanding if I just go and I, I'm myself you know you, you come to expect a, a certain degree of professionalism from a guy who builds his show uh, based on drinking a lot of whiskey and watching a lot of fights. (laughs) All right. We're going to leave it up. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Cut it short this week, uh, at about a half hour. Uh, so apologies to everybody for the short show. Apologies from the animal Wilson, from myself. If you want to give him a hard time about not being on the show today, you can do so at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. So, go heckle him for not making it today. You know, maybe the soup wasn't ready. And you guys know how to get a hold of me it's at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. You guys can send me an email if you want. MMA on the rocks, gmail.com. Visit the website. You we got a lot of good content up there. And yeah, that's it. A lot, a lot of fight action this weekend. A lot of fights to watch. A lot of good content out there. So, if you missed, uh, UFC from Boston, um, go back and watch that Yair Rodriguez-Jeremy Stevens fight and definitely watch Joe Lozon's performance, best performance of the night, hands down. Uh, so impressed with Joe Lozon. All right, that's all we got. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.